much. All right, if you'd open your Bibles again to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, please. We'll continue our series of messages on life-changing biblical principles. These are truths that will literally change your life if you apply them to your life. I'm speaking to believers this morning, for those of you that know Christ as your Savior. Our first principle we looked at uh, about eight weeks ago was the principle of ownership. We saw from Scripture, those of you that know Christ as Savior, that you belong to God. You are His. The Bible says you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are His. So as a Christian, we belong to God. Everything we have belongs to God. My house, my uh, substance, my money, my life, even myself, it belongs to the Lord. And we're told to honor him with that. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the firstfruits of all thy increase. So as Christians, because we belong to him, we should honor him with everything he provides for us. And today we want to talk about the principle of giving. The principle of giving. One way you and I can honor the Lord with our substance is by giving him a portion of that which he's blessed us with. But please listen. Don't miss this. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, you don't know, you're going to heaven, God is not asking you or expecting you or wants you to give anything. He wants you to receive. The Bible says, but to as many as received him, to them gave him the power to become the sons of God. The going to heaven is not obtained by giving, but by receiving Christ as Savior. So whether you're watching me by live stream or in this uh, congregation this morning, lay aside the idea of giving if you want to go to heaven. Heaven is obtained by receiving. In fact, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. I'm going to heaven because what he gave for me. But now that I am saved, the way I can honor him for what he's done for me is now giving back to him. So today we're going to talk about the principle of giving. Someone once said the greatest principles on giving found in the Bible are found in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And let me give you the background here. The Apostle Paul was raising money for needy churches. There were churches that were suffering because of a drought in the land, and the church of Jerusalem sent Paul and Silas to the churches that were not affected to raise a love offering. And the church of Corinth heard about it and said, hey, count me in. We want to have part in this. And when Paul went to them to gather the money, they backed out. They reluctantly wanted to follow through with that which said they would do. So Paul is beginning to teach them the principles of giving, how that giving can impact your life, not just those to whom you give. So I'd like to give you eight of them this morning, eight biblical principles on giving. And again, this is not for the unbeliever. This is for those of you that know Christ as Savior, those of you that have uh, belonged to him. First one, number one, giving is a part of spiritual growth. Giving is a part of spiritual growth. In other words, as Christians, once you're saved, God wants you to grow in your faith, in your dependence, in your life, Christian life. And giving is a part of that growth. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, please. Chapter 8, verse 7. He says, therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. The grace talks about in this giving. So these believers were growing spiritually. Their, their lives were changing. 
It said they were growing in their faith, their dependence upon God. They're growing their utterance. It means their outspokenness for the Lord. They were very faithful in sharing Christ. They were growing in their knowledge of God's word, in their diligence and their efforts to serve the Lord and the love for other people. But one area they have not grown in is that of giving. Many of you have grown spiritually since coming to our church. You see God working your life. You see yourself growing spiritually. But you have not come to the point and solved the need to honor God with your finances. And it says, seeing that you abound in all these areas, now abound in this also. So giving is a part of our spiritual growth of uh, growing in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, the second biblical principle on giving. Giving reveals one's heart. Giving reveals one's heart. Look in verse 8, please, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. First of all, giving is evidence of one's love for the Lord. He said, I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your what? These believers were claiming to love the Lord. Hey, we love the Lord because what he always done for us. And many of you love the Lord. And yet they were not interested or willing to give. You know what he was saying to them? Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> you say you love the Lord, prove it. And one way we can prove we love the Lord is by giving back to him a portion of which he blesses with. By the way, for God so loved the world that he what? How do I know God loves me? Because he gave his life for me. How, do we, how does God know we love him? One way is by giving. Prove the sincerity of love. A person can give without loving, but he cannot love without giving. He cannot love. That should be without giving, not with giving. <laughs> In other words, you can give and not love the Lord, but you cannot love the Lord without giving. It is an expression of one's love, evidence of one's love. Next, it also exposes one's attitude. It exposes one's attitude. Look in verse 12, please, of chapter 8. He said, if there first be a willing mind. The word willing here has the idea of readiness, eagerness. It speaks of passionate, enthusiastic giving. By the way, how do you respond when, when the idea of giving? You see, are you excited about it? Woo, I can't wait to have part in this. Or you say, well, oh, count me out. This is not for me. In other words, there needs to be a willing and eagerness to do so. So God's more concerned with the heart's attitude of the giver, not the amount he gives. And, and uh, I, I remember some years ago, someone told me a visitor had come to our church, and, and basically I, I spoke on giving. By the way, I don't speak on giving that often. In fact, it's been almost two years, so I spoke on giving. So basically, when I spoke on it one time, a person said, here he goes again, the pastor wants my money. Listen to me, please. I don't want your money. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. In fact, hold your finger right here. Go to Psalms 50, please. Psalm 50. As a Christian, what God wants of you, God wants your heart. Psalm 50, please. Page 858. Here he speaks to a group of, uh, of his people, the Jews, that were giving, but they were doing so with a bad attitude. Psalm 50, verse 7. Psalm 50, verse 7. Notice when he said to these Christians, these believers, these that knew him as their God, he said in verse 7, Psalm 50, verse 7, he said, Hear, O my people, 
And I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. Verse 8. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will not take bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Basically, God doesn't need what we have. He has everything. But basically, what he wants of us is our heart, our affections. And the Bible says, Christian, if you love the Lord, you will give. And your attitude will express that. A bad attitude expresses that, you know, we think our money belongs to us. But as a Christian, everything we have belongs to God, even your finances. And God wants you to honor him with them by giving to him. Next, number three. Giving is part of our spiritual growth. Giving reveals one's heart and attitude. But also, giving is to be proportionate. Giving is to be proportionate. Look in verse 12, please, of chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Go back to 1 Corinthians from Psalms. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. Notice our giving is to be according to what you have. Our giving is to be according to what you have. It says in verse 12, If there be first a willing mind is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to hath not. In other words, God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have. I mean, one time I heard a preacher, this is kind of unbelievable, but he was asked people to go out and take a, borrow some money so they can give to the church. No, no, no. The Bible says you'll give according to what you have. You can't give what you don't have. Some of us can give more than others because some of us have more than others. But in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16, don't turn there, verse 2, it said that we ought to give as God prospers us. So as God prospers you, you are to give according to that which you have. It's also according to your ability. Let me read the scripture for you. We should give according to our ability. Acts 11, verse 28. This will talk about the great drought that affected so many churches. Verse 28. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a dearth, a drought throughout all the world, and that which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Verse 29, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea. So they gave according to that which they had, according to their ability. That's what we should do. And so basically, no matter how much you have, we ought to honor God with a portion of that. Number four. Number four, the fourth principle of giving is that giving is to be a unified activity. Giving should be a unified activity. In other words, everybody, all that know Christ as Savior, ought to have part in honoring God with their giving. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 13, please. He said, For I mean not that other men should be eased and ye be burdened. In other words, everybody should have part in this, but by equality. Everybody. So everyone knows Christ the Savior ought to seek to honor God with their finances and give to him a portion of that which he's blessed them with. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, please. Chapter 9. Let's look at the fifth principle, please. The fifth principle. The first one was giving is a part of your spiritual growth. Giving reveals one's heart and attitude. Giving is to be proportionate. 
and next giving is to be a unified activity. And now in chapter uh, 9, verse 6, giving, you reap what you sow. When you give, you reap what you sow. Look in verse 6, please, of chapter 9. He says here, But I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Paul uses the agricultural principle, basically saying, a farmer that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The more you give, the more you receive. The little you give, the little you receive. One's investment will determine one's return. Think about that. One's investment into God's kingdom by their giving will determine one's return of God's blessing upon your life. Listen, this does not mean your bank account and get fat when you give God money. It may, it may or may not. But it means you'll become wealthy of God's blessings in your life. God's blessings in your life as a believer that you will reap what you sow. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 says this, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. In other words, what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. So Christian, you want to sow a lot of God's blessing? Honor him with your substance by giving him a portion of what you, he's blessed you with. Generosity brings increase. Generosity brings increase. Go with me now to Proverbs. Keep your finger in Corinthians. Coming right back to that. Proverbs 11, page 941. Proverbs 11, please. Again, we're talking about this principle of giving. We're speaking to those of you that know Christ and how that now that we belong to him, that we are his, everything we have belongs to him. And one way we can acknowledge that is by honoring him with our substance and by giving back to him a portion of that which he's blessed us with. And the Bible says that our generosity brings increase. In Proverbs 11, verse 24, please. Proverbs eleven twenty-four, 24. An Old Testament principle of giving. In verse 24, there is that scattereth, and yet what? Increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than meat, but tendeth to poverty. The principle here is this. Generosity, by God's blessing, secures increase, while stinginess leads to poverty. Now, humanly speaking, we think the opposite. If I give, I might become poor. Yeah, the Bible says you scatter and you will increase. But if you withhold by being stingy, you'll come to poverty. God blesses those that give. And if we become generous in our giving, God says you will secure increase. Being a generous person prospers God prospers them. Listen to this verse in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give in your bosom. My friend, you cannot outgive God. When you honor God with your substance, God will bless you. And I'm trying to help you to be blessed by the Lord. Next, on this thing, generosity brings increase, but giving brings God's blessing. Giving brings God's blessing. Look in Proverbs 22, please. Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. It says in verse 9, 
In fact, before we read that verse, a verse I forgot to read, we read back there in Proverbs 11, verse 24, verse 25 said this, A liberal soul shall be made fat. He that watereth shall be watered himself also. Basically, liberal talking about not in your theology, but in your giving. As we become liberal and generous in our giving, God says we'll be fat with his blessings. And notice here, it says God, giving brings God's blessing. Proverbs 22, verse 9. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be what? Bountiful means an eye that's generous and seeing need to give and shares. He that a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Acts 20, 35 says this. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. By the way, how many of you like to receive? I do. <laughs> I do. I enjoy Christmas time. I enjoy my birthday when I get gifts. I enjoy that. And what a blessing that is. But God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Many of you have experienced that. Many of you have not. Because you have not grown that area of your Christian life. My friend, when you step out in faith and you give, you'll find greater blessing by giving than receiving. Though all of us would probably be honest and say, oh, I enjoy getting. <laughs> I enjoy receiving. But Jesus says more blessed. There's more blessing when you give than you, when you receive. Number six. Number six. Giving should be purposeful. Our giving should be purposeful. Go back to 2 Corinthians 9, please. Back to where we were, 2 Corinthians 9. It said in verse, uh, verse 7, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. The word purpose, it means to choose, to plan. Something is intentional. Many of us give off the cuff. We give at the spur of the moment, but we don't purpose or plan to give. And if you want God's blessing and, uh, and have it continually, you need to make your giving something you intend, you plan to do. It needs to be predetermined. It should be planned. I remember years ago as a believer, though I never grew my faith to come to trust the Lord in my giving, that when I got a raise of my job, when I got a, uh, this before I become a pastor, when I got a blessing financially, I thought about me. I thought about what I wanted to buy with it. I thought what I wanted to increase with it, what I could get with it. And after I got what I needed, after I purchased what I wanted, if I had anything left over, then I got God, gave God, gave God that. He got my leftovers. But the Bible says giving should be purposeful. That before I get any increase, I should purpose at a time, I'm going to honor God with that. And when I get a raise, when I get an increase of money, the first thing I do is give God his part. Give God the first fruits of all the increase, the Bible says. So many of us, we give God the last fruits or any fruits. My friend, you want God to bless you? Put him first. And put him first with your giving. When God blesses you financially, the first person you ought to consider is not yourself, but God, and what he'd have you to do with that. It should be purposeful. Next, number seven. We're just about done here. Number seven. Giving should be joyful. Giving should be joyful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the second part of verse 7, the first part said, Every man according to the purpose in his heart, so let him give, notice here, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Here we focus again on the attitude. 
When you give, what's your attitude? When the church, by the way, I'm so great. Uh, you ever heard of the term speaking, preaching to the choir? Has the idea of speaking to people who already do what you're talking about. So many of you give already. I remember we had two weeks ago, we had Christmas in October. This church gave over $20,000 to our missionaries. And of course, there's others still would like to give, and next Sunday is the last Sunday to give. That means you give. You have a heart to give, and, I, and, you, and you do so joyfully. And our missionaries reap the blessings from that. But what's your attitude? When the church, you know, prior to the uh, uh, COVID virus, we used to pass a plate. Remember that? And, and now, because of that, we stopped that because of that, because they said it could pass germs. So we have a slot outside in the foyer you can drop your offering in. But if you've ever been in a service when the plate's being passed and you see the plate coming your way, what's your attitude? Uh oh. <laughs> or, whoo, boy, it comes. I can't wait. Oh, do you have a joy in giving? What's your attitude? Do you do it enthusiastically? Do you see an opportunity to be a blessing? But many Christians, they become very negative and critical because they think somebody wants my money. My friend, it should be done not grudgingly. It should be done willfully without reluctance, but also it should be done with great desire. It says not grudgingly or of necessity. It should be letter A, it should be done willingly. It should be done with great desire. The word necessity means by constraint. Giving should not be done because I have to. It should be done because I want to. I want to give. Because of all that God's done for me, I want to give to him. The Bible says we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. We should give to him. Why? Because he first gave to us. But it goes on to say, God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, please listen. God loves you whether you give or not. <laughs> you don't purchase or buy God's love. The word loveth here has the idea it pleases him. It pleases God when God's people give. When we acknowledge that everything we have belongs to him and give him back a portion of what you have, God's pleased with that. And God uh, he loves a cheerful. The word cheerful means joyous. It literally means hilarious. What an attitude. I mean, are you hilarious about giving? God loves, God's pleased with that kind of attitude. God prizes not the size of our gift, but an attitude when we give. God prizes not the size of our gift, but the attitude when we give. Number eight, the last one. Number eight. Giving secures one's needs. Giving secures one's needs. Look in chapter 9, verse 8, please. After he said, give, and he talking about a man give his purpose in heart, not grudge and necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound every good work. In other words, when giving, your necessities will always be met. As a Christian, when you give, God promises to meet your necessity, meet your need. Wow. So often, we don't give because we say, I have needs to be met. I think the greatest excuse why Christians don't give is they say this, Pastor, I can't afford to give. You know, my wife and I, through experience of God's blessing, 
Our attitude is not we can't afford to give. My friend, we can't afford not to give. God's blessing when we give is far greater than when we don't give. And so many don't give, I can't afford it. My friend, when you begin to experience his blessings, you will come to the place, you know, I can't afford not to. God's blessings overwhelming is greater than if I kept it all for myself. Christian, have you come to that place in your life? So many have not because they have not grown yet. But the Bible says when you give, that he said, ye always will have all sufficiency in all things. Here, grace here does not refer to spiritual graces, but money and material needs. When the believer generously gives of his material resources, God graciously replenishes them so that he have always what he needs will always be met. Letter B, when giving, God promises to supply all your needs. Your, your necessities will be met. Your needs will be fulfilled. Now, he didn't say your wants. <laughs> he said your needs. Many of you know Philippians 4.19. I'll be on the screen. Look at this verse. Many Christians claim this verse, but take it out of context. Philippians 4.19, Paul said, But my God should supply what? All your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, look over, please. This verse, you read it in the context, is, is in the context of giving. The Philippian believers were giving to the apostle Paul. He said, I don't speak of won't, but the fruit may abound to your account. As a Christian, when you give to the Lord's work, the Lord's ministry, God said, I will supply all your need. You see why you can't afford not to give? All the needs you have, all the necessities you have in life, God said, I'll take care of. But it's done by honoring him with your substance, giving him what you have. All right. You can close your Bibles. And look at a verse on the screen for me, please. I want a truth we need to understand. When you, when you close your Bible, look up here, please. As a pastor, it's my desire that no one will ever misunderstand this idea of giving. Salvation, eternal life, is a gift. You don't get give to get it. You receive. Salvation offered to you, forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, is given freely at the expense of Christ. I read somewhere that back in the 60s, how many remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? I remember that I was a, in fifth grade, out on the, playing ball in the field, and the teacher told everybody that happened. But I read sometime after that, the Kennedy family gave $1 million to the Catholic Church to purchase John Kennedy's soul out of purgatory. They thought they could purchase his salvation and entrance heaven by giving to the church. My friend, that's not true. You can give all you want to and still not go to heaven. Going to heaven is not obtained by giving, but by what? Receiving. For God so loved the world that you that he gave. I'm going to heaven because Christ gave his life for me. And I received him as my savior. So please don't misunderstand. I did a whole message on giving that I'm talking about you need to give so you can go to heaven. No, 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 no. You don't do that. The first thing you need to do, forget about the giving. Let's talk about receiving. Receive Christ. Heaven becomes your home. You have eternal life. But once you are saved, my friend, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit, which are his. 
And now the way we can honor him for all he's done for us is giving back to him. I want to show you this on a verse on the screen. A truth you need to understand. In 1 Peter 1, 18, look what it says there, please. For as much as ye know that you're not redeemed, that means bought or purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. But verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish, without spot. What he's saying here, my salvation, your redemption is purchased not by money or silver or gold, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. When he gave his life on the cross, that's what purchased your salvation. And we, by faith, receive that and trust him as Savior. Heaven's our home. That settles it. That cannot change. But now that you are saved, God says you should honor him with your substance. As he blesses you, honor him accordingly. And one way you begin to grow spiritually is when you do honor him, you can see God provides your needs. God's a debtor to no man. And God will bless you and honor you when you give. Many of you used to give, but you stopped giving because things become tight. My friend, that's when you ought to continue to give because that's when God will continue to bless you. But whatever condition you're in financially, honor God with that which you have, and he will honor you. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we conclude our service. Again, this morning I've been speaking to those of you that know Christ as Savior, believers, those that have eternal life, that heaven is your home, that are children of God by faith in Christ. And we're talking about a principle that literally can change your life if you apply it, the principle of giving, giving to the Lord, honoring him with your substance, with the first fruits of all the increase, and you'll begin to see the blessings of God upon your life. You begin to learn that, to trust God with everything, even your finances, as you honor him. So if you're here today and you do know Christ, you're a Christian, are you honoring God with your money? Are you giving God a portion of that which he's blessed you with? If not, I want to encourage you to step out on faith and do so. And you'll begin to see God honor you because you first honored him. However, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, if you're not certain you have a home in heaven, you're not certain you've been forgiven, my friend, the issue to you is not to give, but to receive. Christ gave his life for you that you might have eternal life and a home in heaven. And your job, your responsibility, is by faith receive him as your savior, to trust him to forgive you and to give you eternal life. That secures heaven for you by faith in Christ. If you have never done that before, my friend, why not do it right now? Why not take God in his word and trust Jesus Christ to be your savior, to depend upon him as your only means for eternal life, the one who died for you to take you to heaven? You say, Pastor, I would like to do that. I'm not certain I'm going to heaven, but I would like to have that assurance. How do I do that? Why not call upon the Lord right now to be your savior? Maybe just say something like this. Talk to him in your own thoughts and say something like this. Say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus was punished in my place. The judgment I deserve for my sin, Jesus took upon himself. And when he died on the cross, he died there for me. 
in my place and paid for my sin. He was buried and he rose again. And right here this morning, realizing I cannot save myself. I'm trusting Christ to save me, to forgive me, and to give me a home in heaven. I'm trusting Christ my Savior right here today. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to close in a word of prayer in one moment. But if that made sense to you, and for the first time you place your trust, your dependence upon Christ to be your Savior, my friend, according to the Bible, heaven's now your home. But I really get excited when I see someone else understand that great truth. And I want to pray for those who made that decision today. So for the first time you trusted Christ as Savior, and will allow me to pray for you, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one look around, would you simply raise your hand in case you did that today? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me, please? Here's my hand today. I did that today for the first time. I trusted Christ. <coughs> here's my hand. Anyone at all? All right, Christian. Have you ever stepped out on faith to honor God with your substance? Maybe you used to, got away from it. Maybe no, no, never done it before. Why not step out on faith and begin to honor him with your substance and see God provide for your needs and take care of that which you have? Father in heaven, in a society where there's so much struggle and financially, we see the inflation, we see all this going on, our money's getting less and less, but the expenses are getting more and more. It's such a temptation to stop giving to the Lord to take care of ourselves. But we see the, the promise in your word, if we put, your first, put you first and honor you with our substance, that you will see to it that our needs are met, that we always have all sufficiency in all things. Help us to believe that, Lord. Step out on faith and honor you with that which you bless us with. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.